Hey, I'm Daryl Etherington. Welcome to Found. I'm here with my fellow seamstress, seamster. I don't know what the, I don't think there's a gender neutral term for that. For what? Because <laughs> of the name, because of the seamstress, because of the name of the startup. Ah, because it's quilt. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. I was looking for the gender neutral one, but there was, I don't think there is one. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks. I guess. <laughs> I'm Jordan Crook. This week, our guest on Found is Ashley Sumner, who is the CEO and founder of Quilt, which is a social network that originally began as like a real life, real space social network designed for small groups to get together basically in people's houses, right? Is that is that right, Jordan? Yeah, You're it's the like the, the OG social network, which was just hang out with people, IRL. Yes. But like... You know, she used some technology to let people coordinate that. And then COVID hit and she leaned into audio and it's become this really interesting kind of like health, wellness, self-care community where people can just like talk openly and candidly about what it is they're struggling with, what it is they're excited about, big decisions in their lives, you know, can be kind of small stuff. It can be big stuff. And it's pretty interesting. Seems to be growing. It's a cool platform and she's a cool founder. Yes, very cool founder. You can tell how her values are reflected in the values that she's trying to espouse with with Quilt, with the social network. So it's it's you may think like, oh, you hear audio social network, and you've obviously heard of other ones like Clubhouse being the buzziest in recent memory, right? But it's so different from everything out there, which is essentially Clubhouse and its millions of clones by all the legacy social media companies. All those are basically, let's look at existing social media and then just translate all that into an audio, real-time audio format. Meaning it brings all of the worst things about social media with it often, right? Yes. Just like this metric-based user validation. Popularity contest stuff. And Quilt is not in that ballgame at all. So while it feels maybe like it belongs in that same category, I think the truth is that it it's doing something pretty unique and different. You know, you don't have to take our word for it. We're about to get into this conversation with Ashley here, and she explains it much better than I ever could. Me too. But one thing before we jump into that, I do want to remind folks, you can actually connect with us and form a real sense of community with us. <laughs> you can call... Via audio, by the way. <laughs> Via audio, exactly. You can leave us a voicemail at 510 that's 510-936-1618. And you can call us and let us know how it's going with your startup, how your founder experience is going, what challenges you've encountered, what great successes you've had recently, whatever you want, basically. You know, keep it PG. Well, don't keep it PG. Keep, just keep, keep it, it clean. Relevant. Like, keep it, yeah, keep it relevant. Keep, relevant. That's yeah. a nice way to put it. Because Lord knows yes. I don't keep it clean. <laughs> so it can be blue, but also uh, relevant. <laughs> Anyways, do that, but also listen to this episode. Uh, We had a great time talking to Ashley, and I think you'll enjoy it also. Hey, Ashley, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great. I know that Jordan, who is also here. Hey, Jordan. Sup, dog? (laughs) (laughs) I've spoken to you already for an article for the website, right, about Quilt. Yes, yes. We go way back, like ancient (laughs) friends. That's the basis of a good friendship, yeah. Um, <laughs> a little light interviewing. <laughs> I read the article with great interest, and, you know, I checked out Quilt uh, as well, and super cool. You know, I think one of the really interesting things for us, and this is maybe putting the cart ahead of the horse, but, like, the fact that you had to change directions, especially during a crazy time for everybody, but... That's super interesting to me, but I do want to start with just kind of like a general description of Quilt so people know what it is and, and what you're CEO of, I guess. Yeah, what am I the CEO of? <laughs> I just had a conversation with a friend the other day that's like, I get to be a CEO. Like, it's a verb of the actions I take every day. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I really think of Quilt as a first-of-its-kind wellness platform. It's very much focused around improving you know, the lives of millions of people through the efforts of finding and creating community. And we take this lens that audio is 
an incredible tool to hear one another, to be seen by one another, to be supported by one another in conversations. It's a cool new feature that's very like hot on the market and it's exciting mm-hmm. because we're seeing just how impactful it can be when utilized effectively in community and like supportive conversations, just bringing people together to have those conversations and hearing one another no matter where they are in the world. So that's Quilt. Yeah, me and Jordan obviously agree about the value of audio, although mm-hmm. we usually use this platform to like make each other feel worse and then, but make our guests feel great. So don't yeah. worry about that part. Got yeah. it. I'll just, I'll be, so I'll just be, I'll just be witness to the two of you. <laughs> yeah. Our wellness campaign is really focused on self-deprecation and just kind of like... <laughs> I think humor is actually a really important part of, of feeling good. So. If only we were funny. <laughs> Yeah, that would that would help. <laughs> We're funny to oh, each other, man. so that's as helpful. long as you make yourselves laugh. You know, like I don't yeah. know, that's the point, right? That's medicine. I think that is the whole point, listeners. Please continue to listen, but that really is the whole point of this. But at the thing. end of the day, just, this is just Daryl and Jordan playtime, really. <laughs> Ashley, I want to talk about why you made Quilt. So, like. You know, it, it sounds like a great thing to exist in the world, but like, how did you even start? Like, on, Why did you decide to become an entrepreneur to begin with and found a company? I think I was born kind of with this desire to create things, whether that's companies. I was in musical theater. I was a dancer. Mm-hmm. I'm a musician. I'm a writer. Like I, I just like constantly creating things. And the through line to everything I create is really driven by a desire to bring people together. From a young age, I, I definitely felt... I have felt and been very attuned to like the mental health crisis that we're in, the amount of loneliness that we can feel as people, the isolation we can experience. And especially over the past 20 years, I've watched how, I don't know, technology has played a pretty integral role in fragmenting our communication with one another. Yeah, no, for sure. And we see that, you know, me and Jordan see that daily as well just with the coverage of tech, we saw the arc of like, okay, tech is cool and it's a connector. And then like, hey, maybe it's not so much of a connector. Maybe it's actually a divider in a lot of ways, right? So we've seen that arc play out over the same time period you're talking about, right? But I- Yeah, it's a little bit of everything all of the time. (laughs) That is a good reference to the Bo Burnham special inside, which is not a sponsor of this podcast or anything, but- (laughs) Ashley, talk to us about like, because, okay, obviously you like creating, but this version of Quilt that we know and love today is not what you started with. Why don't you tell us what it was originally? And then I would love to know why you wanted to start that way. Like that just Mm -hmm. seems like such a difficult business to scale. It's so in person and up in your face, you know, it's like those things are hard. There's so much friction. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. So my My background leading up to creating that, like the first kind of expression of quilt was building offline community. So it's like my, you know, I've built social clubs, retreats, festivals, conferences, dining experiences around the country. And I definitely saw like the powerful impact of what bringing people together in small groups could have. The one area that I was really trying to solve with launching Quilt was, can we replace you know, this business model around using real estate, which is expensive and exclusive and hard to get to, arguably more friction than you know, the original, original Quilt? And can we use technology as a way to replace some aspects of that and inspire people to want to build their own in-person communities out of their homes, out of their stores, you know, up and down main streets, that kind of thing. So Quilt originally launched as a marketplace platform, inspiring people to open up their homes, to host shared experiences, have conversations, connect with one another locally. And the big takeaway from that, and the honestly, a lot of the feedback that I was oftentimes hearing was, I would quilt for an hour a day if I could, which is getting to your point, Jordan, which is like, oh, the friction of not being able to get in the car, get there, put a cheese board out or like whatever, whatever those, all those little nuances are actually getting in the way from the style of communication and conversation that these people are saying they so greatly need. So the silver lining of last year and the pandemic and kind of quilt essentially in its original form evaporating in a day was this forcing function for me to reimagine how can we take what's so pure about the style of communication that I believe everybody needs 
and translate that to be instant and accessible. That question for me, what's the most frictionless way quilt could evolve, evolved into being this instant audio social space. Cool. A lot of the stuff you talked about there with, with regards to the in-person stuff resonates with me. Like I like in school I really liked American poet Gertrude Stein. And like she used to have like the salons in France or whatever, right? When she was like an expat and then yeah. all the intellectuals would come and like gather and like and that was that seemed cool as hell to me then. I mean, still seems cool, right? But like Yeah, yeah the idea of a salon is forever sexy. Like yes. that just yeah, yeah. is imprinted. Yeah. Like let's get a bunch of smart, fabulous creators together to talk about their thoughts. Super on the sexy, world. actually. Like, oh, yeah. let's go. Let's fucking do it. But what am I gonna say? You know, like what am yeah. I gonna wear? Like I just I love that whole vibe. Yeah. And I love the idea of making it something that like anybody can kind of spin up and like start and get like cool guests to come to like especially as i mean maybe this is not everybody's experience but my experience and i think a lot of people's experience as you age you have fewer and fewer close friends right and your circles get smaller and then it's like okay like i want to do these cool salons essentially but like i can't do that i don't i don't know anybody to come right like it's kind of like that so yeah yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And I do, I have friends who, who do them around specific things. Like I have a, a friend, Sarah Best, who did, she co-founder of Dirt International is her company, but they do like cannabis consumables dinners, right? And she cool. like hosts those and set those up. So it's always been an area of interest and it's really cool that that was where you started. Now, like I, you mentioned like translating it, like that must've been very difficult, right? Because a lot of that stuff that appeals and, it's, and we were talking about, like, the way that digital and online technologies have, like, divided people, right? So how do you, like, stay fair of the line and, like, take the good stuff that you wanted to start there and then bring it? Like, in one way, you had no choice, but you also obviously don't want to lose the spirit of what you're doing, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I appreciate that question. We have been very thoughtful and arguably in the venture capital space slow hmm. about quickly rolling features out. You know, I think back to like the invention of the like button or asynchronous scrolling or the impact photos could have or then inserting advert. Like, I understand there's this expectation as a venture backed, you know, tech company that you're going to speed up and grow exponentially and then you make really fast decisions. And I don't know how much time is spent thinking through like the risks and dependencies of those actions. And so, you know, we've built out our product strategy very specifically around these core pillars of of inclusivity, of identity, of safety, these kind of forcing functions and themes that make us take a step back and try and to the best of our ability, you know, see into the future and think how this could be expressed. So today, you know, Quilt launched in the App Store beginning of February and it's very simple. It really is like come in and get into a live conversation. And now we're starting to evolve. You know, we launched some safety features like well in advance of any other social company I've ever seen launch like safety features before kind of prioritizing. Yeah, usually it's an afterthought. It's like, yeah. okay, we did it because the platform was burning down. So we had to We're seven these. years old and we have 1 billion users. Yeah. We're launching yeah. some safety features today. Yeah, and you're like, okay, so I don't know if you can like retroactively, <laughs> you can't retroactively make a community safe. Like you're pretty no. effed by that point. So yeah. Yeah. we have been very methodical and thoughtful about the, the kind of tool that we've built in that the ability to bring in nonverbal support and reactions, not just because it feels good, but because you can feel safe if I'm hosting a conversation and someone I don't know comes in, but they put up an ear or they put up a heart, like it, it can humanize who these people are and give positive feedback loops. So we've been pretty thoughtful, like getting in pronouns and making sure people and, you know, the ability for phonetic alphabet spelling to have your name pronounced appropriately, you know, and correctly when it is like all of these cultural nuances that I don't think that I haven't seen, you know, other platforms while they're like quickly trying to get in-app calendar out and quickly trying to get, you know, shareable links out um, on a web app. So that's really how we've been approaching it. I mean, I'm happy to dig into as many of those things as you want. But Can we talk tactically, actually? Because I'm curious about like, okay, you've got this business that's growing, right? Like the OG quilt was growing and doing well. And you're like, okay, this is cool. Awesome. And then CNN's like, yo, pandemic. Like nobody go to anybody's house. Like yeah. what, can you paint a picture a little bit about t- like, okay, so you're like, we're gonna go to voice. I've made that decision. What happens next, right? Like, do you build it? Do you buy it? Like, 
does the whole team stay on to run that? Like tactically, what was your priority list? And like, how did you bang it out quickly, you know? Yeah, well, we quickly tested multiple features to see what would translate the in-home experience, like a living room experience the best in voice one. Video did not, like, so I got to learn that quickly. We, we also tested thousands of Zooms. I'm so curious about what you were fi- your findings were with the video, just to not to sidetrack you. Yeah, but like- no, it was some people wanted it on, some people didn't. You didn't want to be seen, didn't, didn't show up because they didn't want to have to get ready. Mm. Mm, yeah, that feels like a huge one. I obviously sure care that. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shut up, Daryl. I'm allowed to say no. that, not you. I also <laughs> feel that, just to be like, clear. I have a shirt on right now, but you have no idea what's going on down here. No. Yeah, I mean, there, there were, it's true. You know, there were, all of a sudden, we're also in homes and you have kids and people are screaming and, you know, you may want to go on a walk. You may want, like, and so for me, when I think about quilt being this, like, instant support and connection, for me, it means anywhere. Like, I quilted three days ago on a six-hour plane for the whole time. Oh, I was whoa. I was in the air quilting, like, crying, because that was awesome as, like, a founder of this thing, where I used to have to, like, book it two weeks in advance and get ready to show up and, like, sit there and then... You know, I mean, it was just an amazing thing that took place. So there was a lot of friction around being seen. This feels two-dimensional. It feels strange. If I want to make eye contact with you, I need to look here, but your face is down there. Like it it just was not, it it didn't feel like the thing. It didn't feel as immersive and it felt like a conference call. And particularly when we think of like women and people of color and what, what images and video has done with other social platforms and the negative impact it's had with comparison and othering and shadow banning and what's what's good what's not good I was like I don't want anything to do with that like yeah. I just want to I just want to like sit down and hear someone's voice and like it's very Freudian of me like if I am in therapy I'm like can I just look up you know do we have to make eye contact like let's just right. be in a conversation and activate our voices and listen to one another and learn how to do that again so that was, that's, I mean, I honed in on the voice, on the video part, Daryl, but that was, it was very, very clear to me, hmm. very, pr- within like seven, six or seven weeks. Well, for me, it wouldn't be intuitive that it was like, cause you're translating like a real life experience where that's part of it, but it's, it's totally different context, right? It's like people are, know that that's a part of it. And it's, and it's like, it's different the way that you prepare for that. It's different the way you think about that versus sitting in these TV thing. Also, there's a side note, Ashley is just totally dis- dismantled all of our thinking behind why we, we do these podcasts like video with audio recording it's like we do it for a sense of interpersonal connection. now i'm like maybe we shouldn't no. be doing this because there's all these downsides. No. we do it because we interrupt each other too much that's yeah, really that's what true it comes and down we can visually so you can signal, see me yeah. being like shut up man well but this is so great example though this is why we built in thought bubbles like hey i'd like to speak next bubbles and ear emojis because people can speak over one another and now people will put a thought bubble kind of up that's like hey i'd like to speak next or an ear that's like i'm just here chilling don't call on me (laughs) that's important because we don't have this body language to say like i'm about to jump in yeah like you know (laughs) this is an audio podcast but actually listeners can't see that you just waved your hands i know (laughs) Like, so meta. No we're talking about a voice platform, but we're on a video platform, but the listeners are voice only. It's like every boggles day. the yeah. mind. Yeah, love a good podcast. So this the speed though to be like, okay, voice is really the thing. Self care oriented, wellness oriented, support oriented, just having heart centered conversations. Which you know, sometimes I'm like, is that woo woo? I'm like, no, that's actually the thing the world needs. Is like less judgment, more curiosity sharing from experience, less expertise, less people trying to like get Insta famous, you know, not a mission to be a creator. I don't, it's like just literally being in a conversation with one another. So I have, I have a team, you know, I have, you know, both the product technology and kind of marketing side that was with me with 1.0. They're still very much with me. It was like definitely a, a race to get this out and an opportunity to get funding so that the team got to stay intact. And, you know, we've been hiring and growing now, which is amazing. But with a very small team, we kind of built a beta test of, you know, join instant live audio group calls. 
and started welcoming on kind of handpicking and welcoming on people who like, I definitely believe honor the values of having curious heart centered conversations, like understand the mechanics of sharing from a place of vulnerability, leading with honesty, not shaming others with language, not, you know, victimizing with language, active listening, you know, repeating back what they heard. So someone feels safe and seen and heard like the first 100 people on the platform were handpicked because I personally have like interacted with them and felt Mm. that with them. Feels like you missed an invitation. Didn't it feel like she was just describing me, Daryl? Like my conversational (laughs) style? Uh, yes. It just yes. felt like to a T, like all that empathy. We oh met goodness. months later, Jordan. We, got, we, we went really deep months later. We did. We did. And I still never got an invitation. but <laughs> It's open now. I know. I'm joking. I'm joking. This it's is inclusive. another example of my conversational style, just being really good at active listening, not making yeah. it about myself. Um <laughs> We are a non-exclusive platform and all people are welcome. I just want everyone here listening to know that. (laughs) Daryl, wait, you played with it. Like, what was that like? Did you go into a conversation? Yeah, but I mean, not for very long. I just wanted to see what it was like. But like, so, I mean, the obvious contrast is Clubhouse, right? But like... Oh, that which we shall not name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I am so personally exhausted by clubhouse at this point yeah. and this is this is very much not that in all the best ways right so like that is where i really enjoyed it and i think like part of it what you said there ashley was like the creator thing to me is like almost inextricable from the way that these platforms quickly derail or the way that most social platforms these days i would say derail like it's because there's such a focus on that and you see you understand why because the creator thing provides a great growth marketing lever for for these companies to push right it's like if i get big names on then that will draw additional users or whatever but it also instantly makes the thing a competition and a popularity contest and something that is by nature exhausting especially if you spend a lot of your life on social media right so i think that to me is like what is most interesting and and most appealing you know about the platform and i think it's great that you it sounds like you've done that very intentionally from the beginning. Right. And like, I like the amount of intent in general that you put into it. Cause also seeing that, like personally handpicking that user group to begin with is also a tremendous amount of work counterintuitive in terms of how a lot of social networks build their early hype. Right. They, they just want to build hunger and then kind of gate access, but they're not like going around talking to people individually and saying like, are you the right thing? But like it builds such a great foundation upon which you would hope like begets like and then like the rest of the community shapes around that and understands those mores and values right so that's like it's just like oh hearing you talk about how to build this and with intention and stuff is so dramatically opposed to how i've heard the many teen boy founder whatever gazillionaire like yes they've made lots of money now but like like the, at what cost, I don't know what you're right? talking like, about. Like they always you know exactly really who I'm talking about. Me. We talk yeah. about <laughs> we talk to these guys all the time. Oh my god, I caught him in the right moment. Did you see him get fired up there for a second? Actually, he was actually mad. I got him right when he was peeking. Oh, that was great. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. It is very yeah. different, and I also feel like probably Ashley, like your investors, you know, you're like in the venture world we go slow like we're really thoughtful and i've actually talked to one of your investors who was that rishi rishi yeah yeah from, May- really from cool mayfield really Amaz- he's amazing yeah yeah he's like i didn't want to take the call and we got on the phone and i was like oh thank god you're genius he's an incredibly refreshing human being mm-hmm. and mayfield yeah. is very like double bottom line so i assume that they like are pretty chill with you guys but yep like i assume that there have to be peeps on the cap table I don't know why I said peeps. Who? <laughs> yeah. I'll just roll with it. <laughs> who, you know, are like, make some money, like, grow faster. Like, why are you so worried about everybody's safety? Like, we don't do that in social. Like, do, are you getting pressure from people? And how are you talking them down and, and staying the course? Yeah. You know, I, I'm really grateful for our cap table, you know, to the same, the same amount of attention that I put towards handpicking the first people in anytime I like build a community, which are 
our investors, stakeholders, shareholders, everyone's like a part of the ecosystem here and the community. And I have spent so much one-on-one time with each person and I don't feel like I've had to hide any parts of myself, right? Like I'm deeply spiritual, arguably would be called woo-woo. Like I want to heal the world through conscious conversations, right? I'm, And they all really get that and understand that. And so far, it seems to me that they trust my plan. I have a plan and, you know, they know the plan. And I have a really good counter argument to seeing the negative impact of of really, really fast growth without driving community involvement and engagement over time. When you think about the expense of the number of lawsuits many of those companies have, right? right there's like a lot of line items that, you know, we don't see because we see, oh, you know, it, it got to 10 million people overnight. And you're like, but then there's like a trail of tears sitting behind that, that you have to hire around and build up. And now you're spending more money on moderation teams and trying, trying to like, you know, put a bandaid over like some major, major like gouge in someone's arm. (laughs) It's not going to work. So it's a slightly different approach. Ultimately we are growing and starting to grow, but it's been very methodical because I don't believe a community can be successful unless people understand specifically what those values are, want to honor and live those values, understand what happens when they don't, and feel like they have a role in the overall success of it versus like being angry when it's just a platform and not actually a community. So I, I'm, you know, I have a plan. Obviously, we want that plan to work, and we're in, we're you know in phase one of said plan. Mm. But if if my kind of counterculture vision for what a new type of social platform could look like, I think will be very successful and everyone will make money, but the result will be a lot of people will feel a whole lot less alone. What is the plan? Tell us all the things. Yeah, tell us all the plans. <laughs> Jordan, I knew details. you wanted the plan. I was like, I, I just said plan too many you said times. It twice. She's like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm listening. Tell me that plan. I know. Well, I'd like to know more. Just watch Quilt. Like, just, you know, you just see Quilt, and every time something comes out, or, Maybe you know. Maybe you'll invite me and tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> but we want to know the plan now. <laughs> I know. I want to know right now. I oh, know. That's a tough yeah. one. Wait, so That's like in the in the community safety, like growing slow methodology, like have you had any moments on the platform like early on where you were like, oh, this is bad. Like this gives us something new to think about. Or has it just like been, it's hard for me to believe it's been fully smooth sailing, no matter how much intentionality you bring to it. Right. It's like there's always yeah. something, right? Like tugging at the edge. Yep. And I just wonder, like, what are those experiences like? And how do you guys, like, kind of rally around those situations to resolve them? Yeah, you know, I've been, I mean, I don't know if I'm just, like, a naturally hopeful person. But I'm very grateful for the experiences that have happened. Because we've had, I can count on one hand how many things have happened. They all have been very different use cases that let us as a team orient, make sure the policy is tight and like have a process that we're going to, you know, process as an experiment in and of itself, but that we can be like, okay, we have, you know, someone is on the platform and they are going through a mental health experience that is above anybody's capacity to hold space for this on this platform. What are the steps that we take and what does the community do to know that it's not their place to hold space for that person. We want to get that person the support that they need because this is a peer-to-peer experience. And, you know, we want to make sure. So we linked in mental health resources. We went into training. So hosts really understood like how to use the tools, what language to say, how to support them in that moment, you know, make sure that they were, you know, getting off the phone, picking up a phone, calling this person or this hotline for support. So we had these different use cases to think through Okay, what is this experience like? I am a very big advocate for not believing that what safety looks like is the same for one person. So we as a we as a company are going to solve everybody's need to feel safe, right? There's I mean, there's a lot of trauma. We are in a completely traumatized world right now. There's a lot of triggering. I can't foresee every single little nuance that's going to trigger someone, but we can give the the company and the community kind of agency to understand like what it means to make it feel safe for me right now, that like I'm in charge of that experience and I can leave this conversation or this sub community. I can start my own if what I need right now is to 
primarily spend time in conversation with other women. You know, that's what I'd like to be in. Then I can do that. So we've been able to think through these handful of moments to be really clear on what are our policies? How do we show up to these things? What does education look like? I really feel strongly that it's about much more about education than like, you know, shaming someone or doing three strike policies or anything that doesn't actually do any form of growth work. So it's, it's definitely ongoing and something that we spend a huge part of our time thinking about, which again, I think is pretty new for the stage of business that we're in. If you're listening to Found, you're probably already super interested in startups and the overall startup ecosystem. So we've got a great deal for you. We're going to offer you 50% off either a one-year or a two-year subscription to Extra Crunch. Extra Crunch is TechCrunch's premium product offering. And when you go there, you'll get deep dive interviews with some of the top founders in the industry. You'll get market maps on specific verticals and some of the most exciting areas of growth in startup land. You'll also get uh, surveys of some of the top VCs in different areas, including different geographies. So you can subscribe to Extra Crunch at extracrunch.com. That's probably the easiest way. Or if you're already on TechCrunch, follow the links for Extra Crunch and you'll get a prompt to subscribe and then just enter that code that's found, the name of this podcast, during checkout and you'll get 50% off on either a one-year or a two-year subscription. I always said I want quilt to be like, I wake up in the morning and I quilt. I don't doom scroll. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's this shifting in a daily practice. And if someone is in a moment and feeling a feeling and they choose to go to quilt over anything else, I think that's like, or maybe they would have never gone to anyone else. That's, I think of quilt as like preventative care versus like on the other end of policing and structure and building a wall and saying no and and shutting down and judging. Actually, you mentioned processes and I bring this up because we we recorded a two shows yesterday, I think. Man, we've been busy. But one one of the guests that we were talking to was talking about processes and like how you build them into a business. Like, for example, with hiring or like, here's how we go about our sales or like, here's our product development process or whatever it might be. And I'm just like curious how you think about that. Cause it was, it was very insightful, I think, to be like, I can't figure out every nuance, but I can like kind of lay a baseline or like a structure that helps mm-hmm. people feel safe. But when mm-hmm. it comes to like running a business, what are you, cause we have founders that come on and say like none until we need it. And we have others that come on and are like, yeah, it was like the third day of the company and I sat down and wrote a manifesto on like, this is how we're going to do everything when we're at 100 people. And it's like, mm-hmm. there's like a spectrum there. I'm just wondering how you think about that when you're like leading a company. Like, I, I am definitely a recovering perfectionist when by way of like, I want to have the answer now and I want to build it all now and I'm not going to do anything like until it's there. I. I actually do feel recovered from that. And what I'm going to describe is the thing that's helped me. I'm really grateful. I have advisors and investors that have talents that I learn from every day. And one of them, his name is Eros. He, you know, he was the CMO, COO of Discord. He's an investor in Quilt. You know, he's an advisor that I talk to weekly. And something that I've really learned to uncover with him is this framework that's very helpful for me as far as like how to phase process through an experimental mindset. And so I might say, okay, well, we're hiring, which we are, you know, engineers, data science, like we're just hiring. And I just want to like, I can move really fast. I like to move really fast. (laughs) Hmm. I've had to learn to be like, okay, slow down and form and then go move really fast. And so part of this process is like, we're hiring in this new way for the first time. And it's in an alpha stage. Like it's, it's the very, very bare bones. It's written down. We're going to go and do this. And on the other side of this sprint around hiring, let's, let's talk about how that went. And then if there's ways to evolve it because things worked, it would then become like a beta process and do the same thing. And if it's really working, it's ready to early scale and like you can just kind of run with it. And so this has been my, I like light process in the beginning, just so that you can keep moving. And then as you grow, you start obviously adding in different layers to it. So I, I do believe in doing the work up front around 
maybe having a manifesto so that every time the first, like your founding team, those first 10 should under, there should be enough of a hive mind to understand, like, this is the culture that we're building here. This is what we stand for. This is what we care about. This is what onboarding looks like. And we are going through that phase of the alpha for this evolution of quilt, like Mm -hmm. as we speak. Yeah, I guess it's similar to the agile approach, right? Of like, you do the thing, test, you post, engineers love their postmortems or whatever, and then they build up the learnings and go forward and iterate, right? But like, it's funny, Jordan, what do you think? Our process is more like, hey, we did this thing. Uh, I guess it's perfect. No one has arrested me. We already did it, by the way. We didn't ask anyone. We just did it. Let's continue doing it that way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we should maybe build some more processes. I feel like every time I try to build a process at TechCrunch, people are like, I am allergic to that and I hate it. And I'm like, okay, let's just go back to doing whatever the hell we want. Cool. <laughs> it really feels good to do that. But it sounds like you're bringing people in who are already doing that, right? Like, if, have you had any issues, you know, especially as you're growing the company where you're like, oh, like we are, we try to do our best for like fit and for like, suitability for sort of the way that we want to process things. But then what happens when you encounter challenges and how do you kind of resolve those? And how has that been for you? Like learning how to kind of like manage a growing organization and manage, you know, real human beings who are people. Yeah. They're impossible. Uh, It's a lot of work. It's, I mean, it is, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of my job. You know, I, I'm like, Oh, I had that list of 23 things I wanted to do today, but I spend the day talking to like people People. because it's also Mm -hmm. my job to like unstuck someone so that they can do their job. And the management of managing other people's expectations and priorities and feelings on top of like navigating my own as like a a newer CEO is definitely it's it takes up a lot of time and space. And it's the area I've been kind of actively seeking to grow in the most right now. The one thing that has just been the most helpful for me has been like just like picking up the phone and having a conversation, like not assuming I understand what's going, like just going like direct to the source and not being awkward and not being like sidesteppy and not wanting to try to manage someone else's feelings because I really don't ever want anyone's feelings to feel hurt, which is like probably my biggest area of, of growth of just being able to directly communicate what is happening or inquire and ask questions so that it doesn't turn into this like whole thing. Mm. That's my area that I've been spending, you know, a lot of time in recently. If you want to write like a little memo on like how to be good at that, (laughs) just holler. For your personal use, Jordan? Or yeah, like... Of course, yeah. I'm, I, <laughs> I feel, feel like, like I spend a lot that. of time managing people's feelings instead of being like, just don't do this anymore. I'm like, let's talk about your feelings. <laughs> well, we're all, we're all different, right? I mean, and that's kind of the big thing. I oftentimes like to like, I'm like, just do the work. Mm. You know, like we're here, we're aligned. We love the purpose of this. We're inspired by it. I know that about you. Like just roll up the sleeves and do the work, right? I, I don't have, the areas I don't have like a whole lot of patience for is by way of like reactive kind of chaos making, there's a saying that I, I really like, which is like, there's two types of people, um, someone who's in the stands, someone who's on the field and that riots start in the stands, right? Like just be on the field, be part of like the problem and the solution, but just be in it versus mm-hmm. commenting on it, reacting to it, pointing the finger at, you know, side gossip, like any form of like toxic feminine or masculine energy just drives me deeply deeply bonkers so deeply bonkers is a nice deeply deeply bonkers (laughs) deeply bonkers it's like here's a fun word but also i'm serious (laughs) a very (laughs) serious word yeah you understood it you could have gone any way though like it drives me deeply deeply i was like what's gonna come next bonkers Bonkers. yeah yeah you're gonna use bonkers now in the next week i guarantee (laughs) bonkers exist i'm existing bonkers user Great. It's already in here. It's part it's hard of the to lexicon. Find, Thank you. It's hard to find our type. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but I also feel like our type is growing because a lot of the words we used to use casually that might equate to bonkers are feeling less and less right. appropriate. But when you encounter that like in person, like how do you kind of deal with it in the moment, right? Like let's say you're in a meeting and that kind of thing comes up, right? Like what's your like tips for like dismantling it or diffusing it like i see you like slamming your fist down Mm. standing up pointing a finger 
I do come across like, like that, you. don't I? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, you're not you're like calm and spiritual, no. <laughs> focused on like everyone's well being. Like you seem really <laughs> I'm an I'm an abrasive yeller. Yeah, I'm I'm demeaning with my language. I mean, as I like lean in, there's like a heart tattoo on my thing. I put this because sometimes people will be talking and I'll just be like showing them my the heart, you know. And I'm like, I have a heart tattooed on my wrist, right? I got it with you're my like mom. Like emotional what? ASMR right now. Like you're the opposite of pounding on. Them. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely can go through an experience of being like. When something seems like it's getting a lot more complicated than it needs to, I will get frustrated. And I oftentimes now will like, I'll take a deep breath. Like I'll ask questions. Seeking to understand has been the most helpful tip for me. Mm. Not assuming I just heard something that was something other than what it was. Miscommunication is like, I mean, again, I have a conversation platform. I want to tackle fragmented communication driven by technology. It starts with the team. And so inquiring and asking questions so that I can really, like, really understand what's going on and then navigate, is this a conversation that should happen because we're all on here and going to benefit from it? Can this just be something I send in Slack? Do I need to pick up the phone and have a one-on-one starting to kind of categorize, you know, is this something that needs to be addressed? I mean, candidly right now, or like a month from now, I used to want to address everything right now. And then I'd realize like, like the work doesn't get done if you want to just keep addressing everything and cracking open everything. So, so sometimes I know that I'm like, I'm going to just let that exist for three more months. Well, and like, it's amazing what will resolve itself. Like, not that that should be your default, right? But like, this is something I learned from Panzer and now employ probably like too much, to be honest. But like, Panzer used to just like not answer. And I don't think it was because he was busy or couldn't see, although those could be reasons. But it was like, you could figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, and if if it's still a question tomorrow, we'll figure it out together. But like, you could probably do it. Like, don't wait on me. And it's amazing the number of things that can kind of like, sort themselves without immediate attention. Yeah, I mean, I have noticed, I think sometimes it can be easy to think that like, if I'm not gonna respond to something that like, it's not a strategic decision. Right. Right. But But it can also just be a strategic decision, right? You know, like I'm the only, I am the only person at Quilt that knows everything. Right. So there has to be trust that I I know everything, like that all the moving pieces, what this person is doing over there, like it's my job to see that and to make linear and nonlinear connections between pieces. And so I do think it's important to have at least the trust in place that somebody knows like, okay, if this person is responding, if she's getting back to me the next day or we're not talking about this, like there's, there's a reason. So I think we are probably running low-ish on time, but one of the questions I wanted to ask you is like, what causes you the most stress? Like you are managing a company that's growing like a team in a space that like requires a level head, right? Like you you do need to be, like you said, like I need to be aware of my own emotions and how I'm feeling as a newish CEO. Also, you mentioned it's a very, like there's a lot of activity and that has both positive and negative, like it's positive in that people are paying attention to it and want to invest, but it's also negative in that there's a high degree of competition, right? And a lot of potential, right? you know, there's attention from Facebook and wherever else, even though they just kind of like paint on like, audio whatever over their old sign and they're like we did it but yeah <laughs> we got you this thing it's brand new yeah. we yeah. we launched that feature so fast why isn't anybody <laughs> using it <laughs> but yeah like to, to i guess to back to jordan's point like what is you know what's i guess the most what stressful thing or what? Kind yeah of thing. yeah yeah like and how do you kind of like recenter yourself and say like okay new day let's go get them The most head trash that I've had, which is what I'm calling this, over the past six months is this bonkers thing, (laughs) um, which, (laughs) you know, being a non-technical founder of a tech company, I think just making sure, like making sure that I am up to speed in my understanding of, like, if there is somebody who's building a business, who's built many tech companies before, like their velocity may be naturally faster than mine in the areas that they're an expert in. And if I spend too much time thinking about that, I will feel pretty shitty about myself. If I sit into my own intuitive knowing that I know how to build communities, that I understand people and I'm solving a problem that the world 
has, and I happen to be using technology to do that, like all of a sudden I got a lot calmer and a lot more connected to the plan. Mm. And I trust that, but it's very easy when people are like, do you see that article clubhouse's numbers are down Their Engagement is dropping. I'm like, like, and like 45 people sent it to me <laughs> in the same hour. And I'm like, you know, and I don't, I don't have a co-founder, you know, I, I really want to make sure that I'm, I'm not giving stress onto the team. They have their own experiences, things that are going on. So just kind of like managing all of the information coming in, not getting like fully swayed off of just what I really believe to be true and something I'm excited to be here building I think, I think that that's probably, that's, that feels like the most stressful thing is staying like really trusting that what we're creating here is like so special and so unique and just on its own, it's going to be done differently than how others have done it before. And so there may not be a whole lot of examples, but like, that's okay. Yeah. There's like a level of comfort that comes from like, especially when you're in a hot space to look left and look right and be like, well, the good news is that whether it's good or bad for them, like we're doing it something different. So like whatever, I just need to look at my own numbers and I need to look a at a lot of comparisons. Yeah. yeah. It's easy to ever be like, well, at this point, what was Bob? I'm like, I don't know. Like, uh-huh. this is the vision. This is what's happening. This is how I know it's working. This is like, it's, you know, I don't know. And so there is some bizarre, sometimes bizarre expectations to like compare yourself to others vocally. And I'm like, what, I don't know what that serves, uh, Mm. to be, to be totally honest. It's like, it's unique and it's its own thing. So I do, I can feel stress about that and just managing a heavy amount of inbound information and deciding what to pay attention to and what to just like, let go of Mm -hmm. filter. Yeah. But I think, I mean, to your credit and to the, to the credit of your approach, like it's, if you look at the other ones that we've been talking about, if, I mean, if you, again, if you do get in a comparison situation, like all of them are hyper attenuation of what has proceeded. Like, why do people think that that's going to work? Like we were talking earlier about the changes and things like everything contextually has changed. So why would, why would it make sense to just hyper attenuate what has happened previously and expect that to also be successful? To me, that doesn't make any sense. That's my whole problem with like anything going on in this space right now, like social space generally. So to hear that your approach is very consciously not that at all, to me, would suggest that it will do well, right? But I mean, I don't know anything. And that's why we do this job. There is a, a, (laughs) go us. There is a movement though. Like I think in social, there's like space for the first time for, for new social networks. And I think there is like, a general belief among both founders and the public that like a lot of what we've been doing for the last 10 years has been really bad for us. And so like there's, there is the choice there and like people are actively considering like maybe if I delete Instagram, maybe I put this other cool thing on my phone, like maybe I'll feel better, you know, maybe I won't feel like I contributed to 2016 or maybe I won't, you know, like whatever it might be. So it's like there's a space right now and it's all about like what comes out of it and what rises to the top. I also think that there's a really cool, it's not just female founders, but there are so many female founders out there right now that are building like really high impact companies. I would love to see you talk to Ashley, you talk to Real, the Real co-founder, you know Real, the therapy platform. I've I've heard about them. I, I mean, I love what they're doing. Yeah, and there's there's a couple others that are like all kind of like in the same they're different companies you like not you're not competing at all but like in the yeah. same vein of like what if we were real and like cared about one another that would be yeah. cool you know yeah like let's try totally I mean and I I think especially as like we are coming we are getting back into seeing people in person and spending time with people and there's like even anxiety attached to that a lot of that I think is because we just had this opportunity to either realign or figure out what we care about. And a lot of the people we previously spent a lot of time with are no longer the people that are in alignment to those things. And so we are all kind of seeking new spaces, both digitally and offline to come together where we feel good and where other people are on the same page. And that's, 
you know, a lot of social platforms just go and connect you to people that you know in the real world in a new format digitally. And quilts, people are coming on not knowing anyone and over the course of a day, a week or a month, like meeting new people and making and becoming best friends and getting on planes and connecting. And there's such a form of healing in that in the same way that like real is really like tackling and destigmatizing and doing a lot of great education around therapy again, because it is time to shift the ways we seek and get support either professionally or from others. So I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. I am now too. Rightfully yeah. So. I feel great. Right. I feel excited. <laughs> Way to go, found podcast. We're out here invigorating things. <laughs> Look at y'all. I'm going to leave this feeling better. All right. Well, that was our chat with Ashley Sumner, who is CEO and founder of Quilt once again. And it was great. It was, it felt like what I imagined she's trying to achieve with Quilt. Like it felt refreshing and rejuvenating, you know, left me feeling good about humanity, I would say. I feel like I invested in myself by participating. Yes, you did. Thanks for your participation, (laughs) Jordan. You're welcome. Engagement, high value engagement right there. I really like Ashley. I liked her when I was first interviewed her to write about Quilt. She wasn't like the typical founder. Not that there's such a thing as the typical founder. Everyone is a unique snowflake. But she's very different, I think, from what we're used to seeing. And she brings in a different approach and attitude. And it was cool to hear her talk about it. One thing that I think is really interesting about Ashley is that she comes from this background that's totally disassociated from tech. It's this event planning milieu that is really unique for somebody that's building a startup. And I think it gives you a totally different perspective on how to build a social network versus the people with higher recognition, like the Dorseys and the Zuckerbergs and whatever, right? Because they were all coming at it totally the other way around. Arguably, none of those people were great at community IRL and so went a different route. But I don't want to judge. Maybe they were cool to hang out with. Doesn't seem like it. (laughs) Doesn't feel at all that way, but maybe. And (laughs) I also just think like Ashley is so cool for, I truly believe she talked a lot about thinking about the long-term effects, both good and bad of what she builds. And I feel like that's kind of like this party line for a lot of startup founders. Whereas with her, I feel like she means it. Like she actually has a healthy fear of what has been built thus far and what it's done to us and to our planet and approaches things that way. And that's really refreshing perspective from a founder, unfortunately. I think that's the difference. Like Ashley really understands what happens when community dynamics are poisonous or just, you know, bad. Right. Which is, as you said, refreshing. Hopefully all of you feel the same way. And if not, you know, you could call that voicemail and let us know why. We'd love to hear it. Yeah. And then also reevaluate your life priorities. Yeah. And honestly. think of like, take a look, a real hard look in a mirror, maybe. Yeah. Take it. Take a look. Just take a quick look. Anyways, not that we're, <laughs> <laughs> not, we're coming on pretty aggressive, but what we really want you to do. <laughs> Let's <laughs> go to Apple Podcasts and review us with five stars. Yeah. Uh, give wow. us the best rating. Quite a pivot. <laughs> and, and leave us really detailed complimentary reviews, which we will read on air if we receive enough of them and we find them very compelling. So go do that as well. Whenever that day comes. Found is hosted by myself, TechCrunch News Editor Daryl Etherington and TechCrunch Managing Editor Jordan Crook. We are produced by Ashad Kulkarni and edited by Grace Mendenhall. TechCrunch's audio products are managed by Henry Pickovit. Our guest this week was Ashley Sumner, founder and CEO at Quilt. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and on Twitter at twitter.com found. You can also email us at found at techcrunch.com. And you can call us, as I mentioned multiple times this episode, at 510-936-1618. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.